We're starting a new series on the fruits of the Spirit. We're talking about love today. How many of you understand that God's definition of love is not always like the world's definition of love? God's definition of love is patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, a love that does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God's love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That's God's definition of love in his word in 1 Corinthians 13. So I want to talk to you about the fruit of, of the Spirit, the fruit of love. And uh, in Galatians 5, of course, there are the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. So that's the outward character that comes from the inner world that's within us. And God's, you see, God is love. Amen. God is joy. He is peace. He is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He is those things. And when we are saved and when we're in connection with him, we become what he is in terms of character. Now, people who don't know God are still made in the image of God and have those moral impulses. But there's a limit if you don't have Christ within you. There's a limit. Whereas with Jesus, there's no limit to how much goodness and, and love and joy he could put in your heart. And for some of us, we, don't, we haven't tasted and experienced the fullness of what God could really do through us, how could he, he could transform you. Have you ever met people that are so in love with Jesus and so passionately loving others, and you think, how will I ever get to that place like they are? And Jesus gives us the keys. He gives us the answers, and that's what I want to take you through. You see, Jesus looked towards the day when he would no longer be on the earth. He looked towards the day when those who know him, his people, would know him by faith, and that's us as well. So I just want to pray just before we read the Word of God that God's going to illuminate something here. It's not going to be familiar. It's not going to be same old. God's done with all of that. Do you understand? God wants something more. God wants fruit, fruit that will last. God wants to take you into a place you've never been to before. And he can do it through you if you let him. And we're going to see how in the Word of God now. So let me just pray. Father, I thank you for everyone here. Jesus, let our ears be attentive to your spirit today. Jesus, let us, as we enter your word now, hear what the spirit says to us. Illuminate your word to us, we pray, Jesus. Amen. So John 15, Jesus said this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's his promise. You will. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. You see, this is a picture of the intimate connection. You can see the grapes on the grapevine. They've got to be so tightly connected, otherwise it's not going to be fruit. And that's how it is with Jesus. Unless we're so tightly connected, there's not going to be fruit. But that's what God wants. 
Amen? Not simply uh, grapes or peaches, although they're nice, right? Genuine godly fruit, the life of God within you, evident on the outside, the invisible God working on you, evidence on the outside of you. Are you with me? The question is, do you have that? Do you really have that? Because this is the test of faith, is that you have fruit, you have an evidence of God within you. God within you. If you don't have that, alarm bells, because you might not truly be saved. And you see, Jesus' call to his audience, to us as well, even today, is not only to be saved. You see, Jesus, if we, if we didn't need Jesus, he, did, he wouldn't need to die on the cross. He wouldn't have had to go to the grave and be resurrected and pour out his spirit. If we could just do life without that, he wouldn't need to do it. Are you with me? But he needed to. It's, the, it's all we've got in life, like I've said earlier. You see, it wasn't simply nails that hung Jesus on the cross. It was his love. It was his love for you. And now he's raised to life. He's here. Not only does he call out to you to believe in him, to call on his name and receive his salvation, forgiveness of sins, but also to go deeper with him as well. Are you with me? If you don't have that, there's not going to be any fruit. You see, every Christian, this is, this is one thing, sometimes we get confused with the parables. You see, there's so many parables like this one where Jesus is talking about, are you in Jesus or are you not? Are you in the faith or are you not? Right? If you are in me, Jesus says, you will bear fruit. Now, how much fruit depends on you, right? But as someone who's not in the faith, who is not saved and regenerated, won't have fruit. And when the pressure comes on, you'll see who that person really is. Are you with me? So a true believer is known by their fruit, predominantly love. Jesus said, you'll, they'll know you're my disciples because you love. Okay. There's other parables as well. The sheep and the goats. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. The, uh, the parable of the ten brides. You're either got the oil, salvation, or you don't. Or you have the light or you don't. There's so many like this. It's you're either in or you're out with Jesus. However, as a believer, it's not just simply a matter of being in. It's a matter of going really far in for, with, for Jesus. Are you with me? And so someone can appear to be on Team Jesus externally, but they can end up being a Judas because Judas cast out devils. Judas healed the sick, it looks like, when you read Matthew. But Jesus will turn to him on that day and say, I never knew you. I never knew you depart from me. And of course, it, his, his life was evidence in what he chose to do. 2 Corinthians 13.5, when he's looking at the church and some are acting a little bit immoral at times and some are really on fire and he, he looks at this church and he just says to them all, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? There can be people in the church and aren't even saved. I'm but you got it. This is why Paul says it. There's people who go through their whole life. I'll tell you a funny story. It's a good story, actually. When I was at Bible college, I met Hannah there, of course, and we made a friend with this lady who was single. She was in her 50s, and we befriended her because she, she was quite fun to be around. But I remember talk, we weren't talking with her one time at dinner time, and we're talking about hearing God and the things that God does in relationship with God. 
And she's there on a school of ministry school. And she goes, I don't have any of that. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Don't have any of that. Like, I don't hear from God. Don't feel God. I'm, she's just, I'm, I'm not sure about any of this stuff. I'm like, you're here at Bible college, right? Anyway, as a pa- older friend, older pastor sitting at the table, and he says, let's just go have a chat. And, and he goes and sits with her for an hour, explains the gospel. The next day, she got it. She's like, I get it. I, I'm saved by faith. I, I get it now. Jesus, he did it for me, and he's calling me, and I called on his name. She got it. The next day, she had a salon appointment, and she felt like a weight lift the moment she woke up in the morning. She went to the salon, and the lady in the salon did her hair. She said, you look very nice. And you know what she said? It's like you've been born again. (laughs) Some people have not got it. Some people sit in big churches, small churches, year after year, and they've not got it. And it's a crying shame. And for some people, in some traditions of the church, see, we're an evangelical church, right? So you're going to hear the gospel a lot. It's going to be hard to get away from the gospel. Some churches, you barely hear the gospel. I was in a service once. I didn't hear the name of God mentioned for an hour. What? Do you see what I mean? And people think they've heard it, and they've never heard it. They've never believed. They've never repented. Never, never understood. It's not about their works. It's about the finished work of Christ. That you've got to call on his name and be saved. And some people have not got that. And then they wonder why they can't stop cheating and they can't stop lying and all of these things. And they're okay with sins like cohabitation and all the, all the other things. Like, what's the problem with it? I'm like, it's the Holy Spirit not showing you this is wrong. The reason the Holy Spirit's not showing you that it's wrong is because you haven't got the Holy Spirit. Because he comes in. Jesus says, I will come to you and make my home within you. But there's people I know who I thought were great Christians and man. They turned out to be great criminals later on in life. So we've got to test ourselves, and the fruit is seen in our actions. How do we abide? And the next slide, the next part of John 15, Jesus says, If you remain in me, and key part is, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So right within these words of Jesus, you've got many clues on what it's going to mean to abide in Jesus. So if you're saved and in the faith, this is what you do. You let his word abide in you. You read the Bible. You talk to him. You pray. See, sometimes we make these things so religious, but it's a relationship. I'm, I'm reading the words of my father who loves me to me, and I'm talking to him. Are you with me? That, sh- that shapes and even motivates us to think about our devotional life in a different way. I'm no longer a slave to fear, slave to sin. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creation. I'm no longer an orphan trying to prove myself. I am a child of God through faith in Jesus, and I've received his spirit. And and if you have recalled on his name, so have you. Amen? But you've got to abide in his love. Let his words abide in you. Many words abide in us and take shape over our life. Things that people said to you, things you said to yourself. But let his word be greater than all. All self-help, all of that stuff. Let his words abide in you. 
is part of how you bear fruit. Now, if you are in right relationship with God, Jesus says later on, if you love me, you will do what I command. You see, we go into a deeper place with God if we stay continuously obedient. You see, we're not saved through our obedience. Do you understand that? But we go through into a deeper place with God if we are obedient. Some people call that relational righteousness. It's not simply I've just crossed the line of being saved. It's that I'm living sanctified, holy to God. And when you get in that place, you will bear, what Jesus says, much fruit. Much fruit. Are you with me? Don't just have that intellectual agreement with the gospel, with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like, no, I love you, Lord. You're my everything. Are you with me? That's, what you, that's the place you've got to get to. Now, you can't do that in the flesh. The Spirit has to help you. But let his word abide in you. Stay in prayer. Stay obedient. And over time, you will grow into the image of his son, into the likeness of his son. And all of us, in 10 years down the line, you may have been lost in drugs, and Jesus saved you and redeemed you. You may have been lost in something else. Jesus saved you and redeemed you. You look back, and like, I don't even recognize that person anymore. It's because that person's gone now. Amen? Amen. And I know that by experience. So that's relational righteousness, holiness. But some people, they, um, they counted themselves out from really seeing that God loves them. And I think one of the main ways that God shows his love in the, in the body of Christ is when the spiritual gifts operate. I know this is a little bit tangent, but let me, let me show you what I mean. When you get a word from God, a rhema word, I mean like a spirit-inspired word, that's, that's powerful, isn't it? You see, for me, I heard the voice of God when I was about nine, and God said to me, you're my child and I love you. I didn't commit my life to Jesus till I was 16, but in God's eyes, I'm eternally saved, and I don't know how that works, right? Another time, I was... Uh, yeah, I will share this. I came back to my hometown, Stafford, and I've been sharing uh, the gospel in different places on the train journey I went across the country. And I saw lots of different healings on the way, and I even filmed some actually on my phone. And I had, as soon as I got off the train, I've had this dread of don't go, don't go in the car park. I know I shared this story with some of you. Don't go in the car park. I had this sense of dread. And I'm like, where's this sense of dread coming from of don't go in the car park? Because of course I'm going to go in the car park. And I, the Lord showed me, this isn't me. It's the spirit of fear talking to you. So you've got to discern. See, some people live in constant fear and constant sense of anxiety. And every time they hear God, it's always an anxious thing. That's not God. Do you understand? He's not the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So, so I'm, the Lord shows me, you should go to the car park, because something's going to happen in the car park. So I go in the car park. And there's three boys there, teenage boys, and they're really standing out to me. And I go over to them and say, hey, can I tell you something interesting? I'm a, I'm a believer. I believe God does amazing things in the world today. Um, he does miracles as well. Can I show you something I filmed two hours ago on my phone? And, of course, they're teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And there's this guy I pray for, and glory to God, he gets off crutches in Birmingham City Center. And I've got it on my phone still. And they're like, wow, that's so, that's so cool. That's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the amazing thing about God is that I actually think he sent me to you today. See, the enemy tried to keep me away from these boys. But God's got big plans for these boys. So I say to them, 
The thing is about God, he can see you right now. I don't know why I mean, I didn't plan any of this, what I'm about to say. He can see you right now. He can see the moment you're being born and he can see you 40 years from now. And they're like, what, really? I'm like, yeah. And he knows that on Thursday night, you're going to commit a crime that's going to impact the rest of your life. And they go, <gasps> and I said to him, I don't know what I'm saying here, but God's given me something to say to you. Is this making any sense? And they're looking at each other a little bit sheepishly. Yes. Whatever it is, <laughs> don't do it. And I said, do you have a Bible? And they're like, yeah, I think so. I say, go home and read it. Now, in the middle of this, one of their dads comes up to me and says, is everything all right? Because I'm talking to three 13-year-olds, which I would num- wouldn't normally do. And, uh, and I, go, I said to him, yeah, I'm just talking to them about Jesus. And they go, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> up. They, thought, they thought they were bothering me. I was like, no, 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 I'm talk- I approached them. So anyway, afterwards, I was like, where do I know those boys from? And I remember five years before then, our church had started a kids' outreach, and those boys were part of it. And we gave them a Bible. And God's still after them and chasing them and sending me to the car park when the enemy didn't want me to go to the car park. So I'm saying that because God is really chasing and pursuing you with his love. Amen. And he is moving by his spirit. Can I tell you one more story? All right. This has been a long morning, but I hope you've enjoyed it today. This has been, this has been a wonderful time. Okay. So when I was with a missionary organization called Youth with a Mission, I started to learn how to prophesy, how to hear God's voice in a new way. And anyway, we're all about to go to different missions in different parts of the world. We were going to uh, Belgium and someone else was going to South America. And as this girl, really kind of small, timid-looking girl, glasses on, she's from the Netherlands, I think. And we're all in this group just praying for this mission that we're all going to go on in different places. And God starts to download some things to me for this girl. And I say, at the end, I say, can I just share with you what I think God's saying? She's like, yes. He says, God says to you that you have a heart of love that's going to be manifested in a healing ministry. Just like Heidi Baker, this is what I said to her. You are to lay your left hand on the sick and see them recover. This is what I say to her. She's like, really? Now, the, the interesting thing is, is that her left hand had almost no circulation to it. It was ice cold all of the time. And she never wanted to touch anyone with that hand because it made her too self-conscious. And she gets a word from me saying, you need to start putting that hand on people and releasing healing. Now, that's a faith word, isn't it? See, she's probably looking at her hand saying, God hasn't healed this hand yet. God's not going to move. It's not about you. It's about him. He can heal you in his own time. But don't let that stop you right now doing what he's called you to do. Amen. And it just reminded me of that today, Thucker, with your hand, because you're going to heal the sick with those hands as well by faith. Amen. Freely you've received, freely give. Think about Peter, who was there when Jesus gave these words in John 15. Jesus explained what it's going to mean to have faith in him after he's no longer here. Of course, he wouldn't understand at the time, but when the day of Pentecost came, he understood that now we have relationship with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Peter had denied Jesus in his moment of what? Fear. Fear of death, fear of being arrested, fear of potential crucifixion with Jesus, okay? 
What did Peter say in the moment when the pressure was on him about Jesus? I don't know him. When you live in fear, you don't know him. Fear and love go against each other. Perfect love casts out fear. Are you with me? If you've got, listen, I'm telling you this because we're getting into fearful times now. We have the answer within us, the love of God. The love of God casts out all fear. My God's in control. My Father's in control. Are you with me? In the end times, the love of most will grow cold because of fear. So the answer in the end times is for a fearless church full of the love of God. That's the answer. Are you with me? So this is why we need to become this and not let anything take this away. But Peter had denied Jesus, and now the resurrected Jesus is sitting with him. And Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, says, do you, know, do you love me, Peter, more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus said. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Peter had denied Jesus and failed him and had left him and had sinned. And he's probably, you know, now the resurrected Jesus is back. He's like, I wonder what he's going to say to me. And these are the words he said. He doesn't come and condemn him. He doesn't, he doesn't rattle him for what he did. Peter had already done that to himself, I'm sure. But he reinstates him, said, are we going to carry on with this thing or what? Are you going to feed my sheep? Are you going to be the rock? A rock? A living stone in my living temple? And he reinstates him. I just want to just tell someone today that Jesus wants to reinstate you. He wants to reinstate you in his love. It's not about you. It's about Jesus calling to you right now, asking, do you love me? Are you still going to obey? Are you still going to follow I know what's happened. I know what you did. I know what's gone on. But will you still follow me? Do you still love me? And if you can get to that place of loving him again, you'll be reinstated in authority to continue the work he's got for you. But if you stay in fear and distance like Adam in the garden, you won't. So I want to encourage you to come back to him and be reconnected in the vine again today. If you've become distant. Later on, Peter said this word, these words to one of the churches, a persecuted church. But he said to him, though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. We don't see Jesus here with us. He's not here. But we know him and we love him by faith. Amen. He's here right now. He's waving his hand. He's saying, I'm here. He's calling you to be saved if you're not, but if you are, to go deeper with him. There's a, there's a call to everyone here today. The call to me is a call to you. Don't run after things that are going to take away that sense of love. You've got to stop running to people, stop running to things. You've got to start running to God more. You've got to do that. You've got to abide in him. If you do not abide in him, it will, it will not be good for you.
or anyone around you. This is the answer. This is the answer of how you change. This is the answer of how you grow. And this is the answer of how you touch the people around, around you. you. And he's here right now. He's knocking at the door of your heart. If you don't know him, call on his name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he will come and make his home within you by his spirit. Even to the believer in this place. If you've forsaken your first love, you've got to come back with me. You've got to come back. And it will motivate you and shape you when you're living in the love of God, truly. So I want to encourage you, as we stand in just a moment, to remember that if you knew his love, you'd be changed. If you knew his love in a deeper way, you'd be changed. He's calling out to you, to us, for more. But it's us. The door handle is on the inside of our heart. He will only come as, as far as he's allowed. When he wants to put his hand on something that you've said no to, it's you that loses out, and also the people around you. And you've just got to remember who he is. He's sitting with you right now, like he did with Peter, saying, do you love me? Are we going to carry on? Do you love me? Do you know I love you, but do you love me? We talk about revival a lot. If we talk about revival all the time, you'll get burnt out. If we talk about Jesus, it's going to fan the flames of revival because the Spirit bears witness to Jesus. Let's never stop talking about Jesus. Let's never get our eyes off it. Let's never get distracted on other things and matters. Let's keep him central. Keep him the focus on a personal level and a church level as well. When you go out for coffee, don't just talk about random stuff. Let's talk about Jesus. Are you with me? He's all we've got anyway. So let's just stand to our feet and just pray and just welcome him, whatever he wants to do. He heals because he loves. He speaks to you because he loves. He doesn't have to do any of these things. We're not worthy of any of it. I'm not, certainly not worthy of it. But in his love, he predestined us as sons. So Jesus, we thank you. Let's just thank him. Let's just talk to him.